Good morning and greetings to each of you from Shenandoah. It's uh, good to be with you here again. Seems like uh, just a little bit ago I was here and uh, it's good to be here again. This morning, I'm going to uh, take you to the town of Caesarea that, uh, if you remember uh, from the slides, the PowerPoint, uh, there's two Caesareas. There's a Caesarea by the sea, Mediterranean Sea, and there is also Caesarea Philippi. And both of those towns are, are moving to... Uh, Think about what, what happened there, and, and uh, I hope to, to give you that experience this morning from the Bible. Uh, you can, with the internet, you can type in Caesarea by the Sea and take a little tour of the town. You can get a map if you uh, have the chance to get a topical map, and you can, when you're studying, it was encouraging, uh, Glenn was trying to picture the location, the geography, and you can do that online as you're studying the Bible and get a little idea of, of uh, where you're at in the story. And I've titled the message this morning, A Gentile Pentecost. I don't know if you think about uh, Pentecost is uh, very much a part of our life. It is the promise of the Father. Jesus said that he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And he's still doing that today, and it's very much a part of the Christian's life and experience. It's somewhat mysterious. Many different ideas of how this all happens, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit, there's definitely a counterfeit, but there is a genuine experience of Pentecost. And when you think of Pentecost, most times you go to Acts chapter 2, and that was what I call a, a Jewish Pentecost. And there's one little phrase in Romans 1 that we miss many times. Uh, we know the verse Romans 1.16 very well. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to everyone who believes... And then the next phrase is, is the one that we missed. He says to the Jew first. And then the Greeks or the Gentiles. So this is part of God's uh, sovereignty and part of his uh, sovereign plan. Ushering in the New Testament and the New Covenant. And it was so precise how it happened. John the Baptist ushered in the baptism of repentance, and that was something new. You picture the mighty preacher in the Judean wilderness. He's a voice crying in the wilderness, and God used him, prepared him, filled him with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. How many of you would like a start like that? Kind of a head start, I'd say, right? So God does things we cannot put God in a box and say, well, that's how it happens every time. No, we're not all filled with the Holy Ghost in our mother's womb, but John was. And it was because he was called to, to usher in the, uh, the new dispensation, and he was the preacher who preached it 
without fear of man. We need some preachers like that today who just preach the truth and warn the sinners. And he, he stood up to the scribes and Pharisees, the religious elite, and he called them to repent. Do not trust in yourselves. He was that voice just crying in the wilderness and calling people, get ready for the Lord, the coming of the Lord. He's going to get baptized with the Holy Ghost. But John baptized in the Jordan River, calling people to repentance. So this was something new, the baptism of repentance. And then we have in Acts chapter 1, where Jesus gathered his disciples together, and uh, they're in the Mount of Olives. And that's just such a, an experience there, somewhere in that mountain, Jesus got his disciples together, and he one last word. Wait. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait till the promise of the Father comes. Then go. And that was, must have been a moment. They're, they're standing there wondering, what, what's John saying? Why wait? I'm ready to go now. And we all can relate to that. Sometimes we're ready. But God says, wait. And they said to Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? No, Jesus said, don't you remember? John said, he baptized with water to repentance, but I'm going to baptize. He pointed to Jesus who would baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And Jesus said, it's going to happen soon. But he didn't reveal it all to them. So they're still kind of questioning and wondering. And so you had them all together and you could just imagine. Let your imagination run. They're standing looking over at the great city and they're all together and wondering how this all happens and it's going to happen. And then Jesus just is caught up. And he disappears and he watched him go into heaven. And they're all standing gazing up and... and an angel comes and says, uh, as you've seen him go, he's going to come again. And so they all gathered together after that experience in the upper room, and they were waited. And they were together in one spirit and prayer, waiting. And I like that picture. They were together, and there's power there. There was something powerful about that group. And then the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Pentecost, came. And it says that Jews were together all over the world. And this is a Jewish Pentecost, the Jew first. It was a Jewish feast where Jews were gathered together in Jerusalem. The Gentiles did not come to Jerusalem for a Jewish feast. And this is what, where God arranged for the... Holy Spirit to be poured out upon the Jewish people. So they were together at the Feast of uh, Weeks, and they were praying, and, and I'm not exactly sure where this took place, if it was the upper room or in the temple somewhere. I think it was most likely in the temple somewhere. They were together, and suddenly a, a mighty rushing wind came, and it filled the whole house, and then the Holy Spirit came down upon them, and went inside of them, and that was the beginnings of the New Covenant, the New Testament.
And Paul says in Romans chapter 8, if you do not have the spirit, you're not of his. And so this is a mark upon every Christian. So this was a life-changing experience. And they were all together. And uh, the Jewish people, some were mocking, said these guys are filled with wine and drunk. And, and Peter stood up, that great preacher on the day of Pentecost, and preached, just laid out the scriptures and they were convicted and were called. He called them to repent, be baptized, and they will receive the Holy Spirit. So that was the experience there for 3,000. And shortly after that, uh, 5,000 were saved. And so this was all within Judaism. And Peter understood, and he said, this is not uh, men that are drunk with wine, but this is the prophet Joel was prophesying of this. This is happening here today, and this is fulfilled here today. This is Joel's prophecy, and the Spirit revealed that to Peter, but Peter at this point was not ready for a Gentile Pentecost. God was getting him ready and had to do a work in his heart. We're going to see in the story, and this happened in Caesarea, and it happened in Joppa. Two men. God prepared them for a Gentile Pentecost, and when this came to the Gentiles, this experience uh, came to the Gentiles. So the Jews were first, and I believe it was God's plan for the Jewish people to take the gospel to the world. And of course, many uh, fell into disbelief and unbelief, and it's a great mystery that I talked about uh, in Romans, it's a mystery that blindness came upon the Jewish people, but there was a remnant. There was always a remnant. There was a remnant on the day of Pentecost. There was a remnant there, and God worked in with that remnant, and they took the gospel from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the world. But it began with the Jewish people, and then they went to the Gentiles, and we are here as Gentile uh, believers. So I'm going to now go to Acts chapter 10. And we're going to look at two visions where God was preparing for all of this to take place in a Gentile setting. Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band of, called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming in to him and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with Simon a tanner, who is, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. When the angel which spake unto Cornelius, was departed. He called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. 
And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Now there's the first vision. Uh, I'm going to stop there and just take a look at this one first. Then we're going to move into uh, Joppa, 30 miles south. And Peter, his experience. And this is the part that moved me. Uh, somewhere in that city, it was, a, it was a Roman capital. So Herod had his palace there, and this was a, a very well-built city, a very prosperous city, a seaport, a very uh, very common in, uh, in this time for the, the Romans. It was one of their capitals. And... Cornelius was a centurion who was in charge of a hundred soldiers from the Italian, uh, from Italy. And he was not a member of the Christian church at this point or of the Jewish community, but he was observing. And we see a lot about his life that we are, I'm amazed at when I read of his, his life. He was a, a centurion ordering soldiers and all that went along with, with that. And God was working in his life, but yet he was a, a devout man. He feared God with all his house, and he gave much alms, and he prayed to God always. There was these four marks about his life that something was happening inside that God noticed. And, and I want to go through this a little bit, encourage all of you in these four points because I believe these are points that are real for everyone who's, who experiences a Pentecost and God coming to them. And also, this, this happens in a person's life most times in a gradual way. Some people have this wow moment that God met them one day and they were praying and bang, they're saved. But it's not always that way. This man was influenced and by the Jewish people, and he, he, he was watching the Jewish people, and he was amazed. He was praying, and he was giving alms. He was well-respected. It says he was a devout man, and he was, he was observing many of the Jewish uh, customs and practices, but he wasn't yet in uh, circumcised and, and all the the parts of Jewish uh, Judaism, he was, he was observing. He was seeking God. He was a seeker. And I believe many times there are people like this that we don't even uh, take notice or think about a lot where people are observing our lives. They're watching us. They're seeing how we come to church. They're seeing how we live. They're seeing that we're different. We don't curse and swear. and We don't... Uh, treat people mean and all of the things that are marked upon Christianity there's people that are watching and and sometimes this is going on there's sometimes people come to church services and hear the word of God and and things are happening in a gradual way but uh, Cornelius and his household servants and the soldier and all those are going to have their wow moment in the story we're going to get there it's going to happen for them but it doesn't always happen at once. And so be consistent in your life and take time for people and remember that uh, a lot is caught by the way we live. So he was a devout man, it says. 
very pious and godly. He was observing the Jewish people, and he was searching for truth. He did not uh, join the Jewish religion, but was following in, in many ways. And that is a call for us to influence people to live for God and to understand what it really means. The word devout means reverent, and it's used, the Greek word is used in 2 Peter 2.9, the Lord knoweth how to to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. So the godly, he was devout. There's a lot to be admired about his life. But yet he didn't uh, leave his uh, role as a centurion at this point. He feared God with all his house, and so his teaching, his whole household, he was influencing others under him. When the angel came to him, he had servants and he had a soldier, and I believe his influence was... uh, very strong, and others were influenced about, about his life. He was well respected amongst the Jewish people, so he had uh, a reputation among the Jewish people that was uh, noticed by many. It says in Acts 10.22 that uh, Cornelius was one that feared God and had a good report Among all the nation of the Jews, he was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into this house. So it was said there of him that he was had a good report among the Jewish people. So he feared God with with his house, and he was very influential. He gave alms. These are the two things about him that uh, the angel recognizes. And comes to Cornelius one day, in the hour of uh, three in the afternoon, the, the time of the ninth hour was a special time of prayer for the Jewish people. I think we can learn some things about his almsgiving and his prayers. Almsgiving is simply charitable deeds, gifts to people. There's many ways of giving we can tithe. And then alms, Jesus said, when you do your alms, do not uh, uh, do it to be seen of men, but just be a charitable person and, and just wherever you go, just pay for someone's meal or do things that, uh, that are just charitable. That happened to Riley and I one day. We went out to eat at Cracker Barrel. And we had a good time. I went up to pay my bill, and they said, someone paid the bill for you. And I was just taken back. Still to this day, I wonder who did it. Someone was there, and I have no idea who it was. And I was just taken back by Ryan and I both said, man, it makes me want to do that. It's just a charitable deed. Uh, You can, someone said that they... If they feel led of the Lord, pull up to a gas pump and and just get out your credit card. If you want to give alms and you're able to do this, maybe I'll recommend it. Uh, But uh, just walk up to someone. If the Lord's leading you and just say, today the Lord wants to bless you, I'm paying for your gas today. 
Was that a scary thing to do? Or would that really put us into poverty to do that? Just little charitable deeds. I, I just am giving some examples out there. There's so many ways that you can just be a blessing, and I'm sure many of you are, are doing many of these things. This was Cornelius. He was giving uh, charitable, giving alms, and he was praying. Prayer is what uh, connects us with God, and it was a mark upon the early church. Their power came with prayer, and I think we can learn something from this. It was the... Uh, it says that it was the ninth hour, special time of prayer. Three in the afternoon. Now, that's a little hard to just stop right on three in the afternoon for some of us. Prayer time. That's what Cornelius did. I don't know how he did it. Let your imagination run. But it was three o'clock, and he stopped for prayer. And that was... Uh, very common in, within Judaism, there were times of prayer, the hour of prayer, scheduled times of prayer. And I think we all could maybe learn something here. Our lives are busy, and I thought about this. It wouldn't work for me every day to stop at 3. On the clock, 3 o'clock, prayer time. Alarm goes off, prayer time. When we were in Israel, the, the Muslims, they have their time of prayer. And in Jerusalem, you hear the, the call to prayer, and it's loud. It goes through the whole city. They all gather together, and there's a, there's a level of, of uh, power in that, I believe. And I think we can learn from that. We could be a little more devoted to prayer. But this is what happened in Cornelius' life. He was... In prayer, the ninth hour, and suddenly a Gentile, an angel shows up. Now, this would be an experience you would remember. Cornelius. And he was taken back. An angel showed up, sent by God. God was arranging for something great to happen. A Gentile Pentecost was coming. But the angel said, Cornelius, your alms and your prayers are coming up to God as a memorial. God is taking notice. There's something right about your life. This is godliness. Keep doing it. God is taking notice. Now, that's not to uh, say that this was saving him, but this was... All steps that he was taking, observing and watching God's people and how they live. And he was searching for God. A Roman centurion searching for God. And the angel said, send your servants to Joppa, 30 miles south, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Call for Peter. The angel leaves. Now, what a day that was. I, I think his schedules were changed. I believe it took him a while to, uh, to think through all of this. But it says in, in the text that after the angel left, Cornelius called for uh, two of his household servants, in verse 7, and a devout soldier under him. And... They waited on him, so he was in charge of them, and, 
and he told them about them, and he sent them to Joppa. Now, Joppa is 30 miles south, and most likely they walked. So 20 miles was a day's journey walking. And I came to the conclusion that uh, we don't walk enough. We're used to driving everywhere we go, but 20 miles was a day's journey walking 20 miles. So they head south to Joppa, and God is preparing Peter for, for their appearing. So now let's pick up in verse 9. It says, On the morrow, as they went in their journey, they drew near to the city, and Peter went up in the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. This is 12. And he became hungry, and he would have eaten. And, and just take notice here of the prayer that's involved in this. The times of prayer. He went up to pray, and he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance, and he saw heaven open, and a certain vessel descending upon him, as it had been a great sheet knit at four corners, let down to the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And, they came, and there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call thou not uncommon. Now this was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now when Peter doubted in himself what this vision should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had entered, had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged here. And while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, Three men seek thee. Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from, from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the case wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man and one that feareth God and of good report among the nation of the Jews was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged there, and on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. On the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea, Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friend, friends, and Peter and as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up and said, Stand up, I myself am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, Ye know that it is unlawful for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God hath allowed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying. As soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore, for what intent ye have sent for me? 
And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting, and unto this hour, and at the sick, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And Cornelius said, Thy prayer is heard, and thy alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the sea, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done, thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all the things that are commanded thee of God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. I'm going to stop there in the story. Just go through the vision, a few comments on Peter's vision. So God, you can see the perfect timing. Stand back in amazement at the timing of God. God was preparing Cornelius and God was preparing Peter to the very hour. And to the very minute, I can say, where, where this all came together. But Peter, at this point, was not ready. And God knew this. This was going to be very hard. This was going to take Peter and all of Jesus' disciples and apostles out of their comfort zone. I don't know how to uh, compare it to our day today. Peter was very... Uh, devout as well and following the law and this was was going to uh, turn him this way and that way and Peter just couldn't receive this until the third time so he was on the housetop to pray and God opened up heaven he saw heaven open up and a sheet came down right before him now, wouldn't that be a, an amazing experience in your time of prayer to see heaven open number one and a sheet came down, and on this sheet, unclean animals of all kinds. So contrary to what he was taught in the law, and he was practicing and following this. And in Acts chapter 2, he was not ready for this yet. He was ready to preach about Joel's prophecy, but now God was getting him ready for a Gentile Pentecost, where this is going to happen to a Gentiles as well. Moving beyond Judaism into Gentiles... Outside of Judaism, a Pentecost is coming. But God had to prepare and set the scene, and God needed people, and God needed an angel, and the Spirit of God spoke to Peter and said, Rise up, kill, and eat. You're hungry, right? Eat. And it was all unclean animals, and he said, I have never done that. This was... contrary to the law as he was taught. And so it came down the second time. The voice came the second time. Peter, are you not listening? Rise, kill, and eat. No. I have never done. We could go to the law where this was forbidden, unclean animals, and uh, God was taking down that barrier between Jews and Gentiles and between uh, clean and unclean. And it was hard for him. And the third time, 
The voice came again the third time. So Peter is in a point of intense struggle. What does this mean? What is God saying? Am I to sin? And so he's pondering all of this, and he's thinking through all of this, and what I do with all of this, and a knock on the door. Just time just right. He knew, after this experience, he knew what God was saying. So he went down, and the Spirit said, there's, there's three men waiting for you at the door. So Peter goes down, come out of this vision, and out of this trance, and out of this dramatic experience, God spoke clear to him. And they came to him and said, we're sent here from Caesarea. We're part of the uh, Italian band of Cornelius. He had a vision, and uh, we were sent here for Simon Peter. Do you, you know where Simon Peter is? And there he was. So Peter said, come in. So this is even stepping out of his comfort zone as well, coming in. I don't know if they ate together. And so they told their, exchanged their stories, and Peter, I can only imagine, he said, well, I just came out of a vision too. And I was told to eat. And then he made the connection that this is what God is saying. So he had to be thinking, what am I my brother's going to say, and how do I explain this? And, and there, was a, there was a point in this story that he was very wise. They, uh, the next day, they, they left for Caesarea, from Joppa to Caesarea, and he took six men with him. Very wise. He didn't go alone, but he took six Jewish men. So there were six of them there to observe this all together. It was not Peter alone. And they walked a day and a half up to Caesarea, and this is where the, the Gentile Pentecost happened. So just a few things on, on all of this. This is where God was breaking down the wall and the barriers between the Jews and the Gentiles, the clean and the unclean. And there were always uh, Gentiles who came into the story. You have Ruth and you have Rahab. You have Moses marrying a Midianite and, and Joseph marrying an Egyptian. And so it was always uh, the Jewish people were to be a light to the world. They were called to live in the land, the promised land, and to be a blessing to the world and show them who God is. And the Gentiles were, were always uh, open to come in as a proselyte. But this is where the change happened, where God poured out his spirit outside of Judaism for the first time. And, and this was transitional. Just a few things on, on the preparation for revelation. You, you, you stand amazed that as you think about how God spoke to Cornelius and how God spoke to Peter. And a few things that were part of their lives that uh, availed them to this level of experience. Uh, they were both godly men and devout. They both had scheduled times of prayer in their life. And they both waited on God and struggled through the 
understanding the voice of God. They learned to wait on God, and they, they obeyed the Lord, even though it was difficult for both of them. At this experience, at, th at this time right now, Cornelius is waiting. He sent his servants. He's waiting for Peter to come back. And Peter had his experience, and now we're going to see where the timing is right, where they get together somewhere in this town where, where Cornelius uh, lived is where this happened. In verse 23, it says that they brought brethren from Joppa and accompanied him, so he took men with him. And on the morrow, verse 24, they, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting for God's message, waiting for Peter. I don't know if they ever met before. I believe Peter was well known, and he possibly knew who Peter was. You can only imagine that journey, walking together, the waiting and anticipating what, what will happen. And when they got together... Cornelius invited them all into his home, and Peter, he stops and he, he says, you know, I really shouldn't be doing this. I really shouldn't be eating with a Gentile. I really shouldn't be associating with Gentiles in this way, but it came so clear to me in my vision that God said, do not call unclean what I have cleansed. So they both exchanged their story. Cornelius shared his story and how he saw the angel and what God said to him. And then Peter shared his story and they're all listening. And that's when the light bulb went on in Peter's mind as he heard what happened to Cornelius and what God said to him. The light bulb went on and this is where the revelation came to him and his mind could now understand. He said, now I know that God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter, Jew or Gentile, red, brown, yellow, black, and white. God is no respecter of persons. Everyone who fears God and works righteousness is accepted with him. They were both fearing God and working righteousness. And so now he's sitting in a Gentile home, so he's very uncomfortable. Well, maybe he's comfortable by now. God, he knew God was in this. He didn't respond in fear of man, what others are saying about this. He knew he could get in trouble. This was not going to be easy, even up unto Acts chapter 15. So they both share their stories, and I like this, this uh, the rest of the, the story, where it really happens and how it takes place. Peter was anointed to preach to the Gentiles. And God chose Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. He was the one who stood up and preached to the Jewish people. I don't know how they decided who should be the one to preach. We have a preaching schedule, and I like a preaching schedule. I, I don't know if I would operate really well just being ready, but I think we should be ready to preach. All of us should be ready to preach because God hath ordained the foolishness of preaching to save souls. It's God's ordained method, preaching the word. So Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, 
And now he's ready to preach again. I don't think he had time to really prepare a lot. And that's what amazes me as I read about Stephen and those that just opened up and preached and shared the, from the scriptures. And that's what happens here. Peter opened up his mouth in verse 34. Instead of a truth, God, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth God and works righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea, and he began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. And we are witnesses of all these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. God raised him up the third day and showed him openly. Now to all the people, not to all the people, but unto the witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to be, preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be judge, to be the judge of the quick and the dead, to give him all the prophets witness that the, through his name who, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word, and they of the circumcised which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord they prayed they him then prayed they to him certain days you see the connection here of the preaching of the word and those that heard it and received it by faith i can only imagine they stood back with eager ears you can tell when people are attentive and hungry and wanting to hear the word you can just see that and that's the setting that I, all of them were just listening as Peter preached the word and shared the scriptures. And as he was preaching, I like this, the Holy Spirit fell. And may that be an encouragement to those who preach. This can be happening even this morning right here. When the word is preached in the power of the Spirit of God, and under, under the anointing of God, I believe the Spirit of God is poured out on those that receive it by faith. And I believe there's one baptism of the Spirit, but there's many fillings. And we always need more of God and more of the Spirit and more of Jesus. So the baptism of the Spirit initially happens... When a person opens up their heart by faith and repents of their sin, all of these things are happening. And we cannot always tell like this, but 
the Holy Spirit is given. It's the promise of the Father to all who believe. So this encourages me to keep preaching the word. And I, would, I want to encourage all of you as well to consider yourself preachers because everywhere we go, we're called to preach and declare the goodness of God. And when that happens, there are seekers. This is now a mark upon anyone who opens their hearts to the Lord. So a couple things to... <clears throat> In, in closing, to, to consider from this story. Peter and, and Cornelius were not warned the day they woke up, hey, today the, some, your life is going to be dramatically altered and changed. Something's going to happen today. I believe we need to be ready at all times to, to be available for God and to, to be used of God. God arranges circumstances every day. Now I want to just share one of those. Yesterday I was studying and I was getting ready. wanted a little break, so I just was moved to, I believe the Lord moved me to go on a walk, get out a little bit. And so I walked down the alley right next to us and met someone. And we started talking, and he was fixing up his house right next to us, and he... He was going through a tough time, and, and he, he said, yeah, I just bought all my flooring. It's vinyl plank flooring, and, and I'm trying to, I went on YouTube this morning trying to figure it out. I want to try and put this all together, and I was reading. I want to put the kitchen in, and, and I said, can I, can I look at it? Can I see it? I said, actually, I did flooring for a lot of years of my life, and I know a little bit about flooring. So we walked in together, and I gave him a couple pointers, and I said to him, that uh, next week I'd be glad to help you put this in. And he's just, just standing back amazed because he was struggling to figure this out. And, and just one little example of how we can be, how God can be using us in many ways. Just give a word to someone. He arranges circumstances and brings people together for a reason. And that was what happened here with Cornelius. We don't know what the story would look like if Peter was doing his own thing and not available for God and not available for change and his schedule was changed dramatically. And Sometimes that does happen to us. I think we should be ready for that. If that is something that God wants to use you, just be available for that. So the promise of the Holy Spirit, in conclusion, the promise of the Holy Spirit is, is promised to all. And I want you to picture the Holy Spirit just falling upon uh, people as the Word of God is preached. We need the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is what brings us into the body of Christ. We're baptized by one Spirit and brought into the body of Christ. We're to live and walk in the Spirit. We have many fillings and God comes to us with His Spirit over and over again giving us what we need for our circumstances and tests and trials. Almsgiving and prayer was a mark upon both Peter and, and Cornelius' li their lives. And I want to encourage you in that. Uh, be one that's known to be giving alms and scheduled prayer. 
where you uh, schedule time and a lot time for prayer. Jesus taught about almsgiving and prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. And I believe there's uh, should be a mark upon our life as Christians. Luke 12, 33, sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourself bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief nor no thief approacheth, nor moth nor rust corrupteth. So there's a picture of almsgiving and, and being generous in, in almsgiving. And also, as you have opportunity, make it a goal in your life to, to be preaching God's word and declaring his goodness wherever you go because there are many seekers in the world today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for story in Acts of Cornelius and Peter and how you used them to bring about the blessings to the Gentiles. We are here this morning uh, as Gentiles, recipients of your goodness because this message went throughout the world. And I pray that we could take this message as well to the world we live in today. Pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.